If you've followed me for any amount of time, you know how much I love a good productivity resource, especially when that resource is designed specifically for us as assistants. Office Otter integrates your messaging apps and email to capture tasks, then helps you streamline your workflow by allowing you to prioritize and rank them. In addition to these benefits, you can also create recurring tasks, turn a task into a task template, quantify and pull reports of all your work, how awesome is that, and so much more. The best part is you can sign up for free. Check out the link in the show notes to learn more and get started. Welcome to the Whole Assistant Podcast. I'm your host, Annie Kroner. I'm an assistant who's passionate about our profession, and I'm also a certified coach who's invested in your success. You've come to the right place if you want to know what it looks like to stand in your power and achieve success as an assistant free from overwhelm and burnout. Now, on to today's episode. Hello friends. So this podcast episode is very, very unique in that I actually sit down with Jeremy Burroughs and we have a conversation. So it's going to start out with him kind of interviewing me and getting background from me because Jeremy also has a podcast, the Leader Assistant Podcast. So be sure to check that out as well if you are not familiar with it. Uh, and I'm just going to also plug Jeremy right now. So you can go to goburrows.com, G-O-B-U-R-R-O-W-S.com to learn more about Jeremy and all of his offerings. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. It was such a joy to talk with Jeremy and I'm going to leave you to it. So today's episode is special because I'm speaking with Annie Kroner. Annie is the founder and CEO of Whole Assistance, which is an online platform and community uh, formed to provide a positive place where assistants can go to transform their lives and level up their careers. And for those of you who are thinking, wait, I know this name. I know this name, Annie. Well, Annie and I had a conversation uh, that I published as episode 26 of this podcast uh, on September 15th of 2019, which seems like forever ago. Uh, so I'm very excited to catch up with Annie and just you know hear all the updates and what's going on in, in her world and how she's seen the assistant role evolve over the last few years. So Anyway, it's very excited to have Annie on again. So Annie, welcome to the Leader Assistant Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It does feel like forever ago and my company has changed so much. What I provide for assistance has changed so much. And like thinking back to those early days, it's just kind of fun to think how far things have come. I mean, COVID happened. I had two babies. Just a lot has happened in my life and world since then. And so, so nothing much, nothing much. Yeah, it just feels like forever ago. And it feels like yesterday at the same time. Right. Yeah. yeah. And it's been great because we, you know, we've stayed in touch over the years and, you know, we connect whenever I'm in Denver. And um, yeah, it's been awesome to watch, uh, watch from afar and watch the whole assistant uh, become whole. I'm going to, I'm going to go there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say the same for you. I mean, you launched a book since then, you know, like episode 26 was really early on. And yeah. so like a lot has happened in, in your, in your world, in your like sphere of influence too. And it just, I love that we get to come together and collaborate and have this discussion we're going to have. So yeah, it'll be fun. Likewise. Yeah. It's exciting. Awesome. Well, let's jump in. Oh, actually, you know, the other thing I wanted to say that's that's fun about this conversation is I'm not going to simply interview you, Annie. 
Uh, I'm actually going to do that. Yes, of course. I want to hear hear all about what's going on. But I'm then going to hand the microphone over to you and have you interview me because you actually have a podcast now since uh, the last time we talked. You didn't have one and now you do uh, yeah. called The Whole Assistant Podcast. And we'll hear more about that here in a second. But so, yeah, I, those listening, buckle up. It's going to be fun. Uh, two-way conversation, two-way interview, if you will, uh, for this episode. So let's let's jump right in. So Annie, tell us a little bit about your career as an assistant, kind of give us the high level summary. I know people can listen to our last conversation um, on episode 26, which is at leaderassistant.com slash two six. But uh, for those of uh, listening who missed that episode or uh, are too lazy to go back and listen to it. <laughs> Uh, what's, uh, tell us about how you became an assistant and, you know, give us the, give us the overview. Yeah. So I became an assistant. I actually, uh, started my administrative profession in college and it's partly what I did to pay the bills. I also waited tables like most of us tend to do at some point. Um, but I was a theater student and I ended up, uh, working in the theater office and then, after I graduated, I moved to Boston to start a theater with a group of friends. And just I I met my mentor and um and I in my role as a receptionist at the time. And I just saw how much respect my my boss at the time had with her executive. She was executive assistant to the CEO. And I just saw their relationship and I'm like, mm, that's what I want. I want that mutual respect. I love that she was his true confidant. I love that she could also point out things to him that nobody else could. I love that she was kind of like the bridge between him and the rest of the company. And I'm like, that's what I want to be. I want to be that person that can um, like strategically partner with my executive to add value. And so 20 years later, here I am. Um, and I started Hold Assistant because... I had this really kind of severe burnout <laughs> and I wanted to keep other assistants from that. Um, and so that's what I do. I coach assistants now to help them to avoid burnout, but also to level up and add value while remaining free from overwhelm. Because uh, I'm sure, you know, Jeremy, like we all can tend to get overwhelmed from time to time, circumstances and whatever. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's what I'm passionate about. I feel like I feel like I just barely ended my career as an executive assistant where I was supporting one high net worth person had been for the last five years. And I was kind of explaining to you, Jeremy, off offline, like off air, mm -hmm. that I kind of worked my way out of a job. Like I have so many processes and, processes and procedures. I found all the vendors to manage like the various aspects of this person's life. And then at the end, I'm like, okay, well, I don't really... Like I don't really have much money to and much money to contribute. So um so I now I'm coaching assistants full time and I love it. It's a lot of fun. Wow, that's great. And I love what you said about, you know, you you unfortunately had that that overwhelm and that burnout in your own story. And that's what caused you to want to, you know, help other assistants avoid that. Uh, that's really the same thing that happened to me in 2016. Uh, my executive was surprisingly and unexpectedly fired. And I realized I was burned out. He had burned out. And I was like, all right, what am I going to do? And, you know, the short version is I realized that not only did I want to avoid 
making the same mistakes and burning out again, but I wanted to help other assistants and executives avoid the same mistakes. So that's, I, I think that's one thing that I've always appreciated about you is that you're passionate about that same idea of, listen, you know, we only have one life and we, we can be good assistants uh, if we don't worry about self-care, but we can't really be great assistants. We can't be leader assistants mm, if we mm-hmm. avoid self-care and if we if we don't pay attention to the fact that, hey, you know, we've got to take care of ourselves. Just like the uh, the quote that you said, that you read at the beginning of the episode, first be a leader of yourself, only then can you grow to lead others. And so I think that's one thing that I've always appreciated and respected about you. And uh, we have that connection of like, we both burned out. And we both want to help those listening avoid the same mistakes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And there are some common pitfalls, right? Like there are some kind of things that most of us tend to do. Um, One in particular, I think you and I have spoken and we touched, we actually connected on this a while back about detaching your worth from your work. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if we can master that, like the world is our oyster, yeah. Because then you can, then you're adding value from such a cleaner place than if you're, if your self-worth is all wrapped up into your role. Right. Yeah. So, um, I would love to hear your thoughts on that and like your experience with that and just kind of, I'm just going to take over the interviewer role. Sorry, but I would really <laughs> love to hear your thoughts and your, and your, and your take on that. And no, then I love can it. kind of riff about that a little this bit. Is, yeah. No, this is great. So, yeah. So, you know, detaching your worth from your work, I think my kind of the, if I go back to my last organization I was working at and my role supporting executives, kind of in the middle of that time, I was there for 12 years. And in the, Mm. in the middle of that time, my, uh, my actually, my dad had this, this short version is had an emotional affair lost his job, lost his community, lost his friends, lost everything. And and I kind of saw that as like, okay. And then he went, he went off the deep end, you know, depression and suicidal yeah. thoughts. And it was just a rough, rough several years. And I, I remember thinking, okay, what can I learn from this scenario? And what, what I noticed was, Essentially, the the shortest, obviously there's a lot of layers, but the shortest way to describe it is that my dad had placed his identity and his worth in that job that he had, in that role that he had. And when it was taken away, when he lost it, it was like his life hardly felt worth living. Mm. And so, you know, I'm sitting here looking at at my job at that prior organization and I'm thinking, okay, am I doing the same thing? And I started seeing the similar tendencies, um, seeing like, okay, you know, I'm actually putting a lot of my worth in my work. And so one thing I did was I wasn't great at it. And, you know, the next six years is when I kind of really just burned out and I went work too hard. And, you know, I wrote a book, most of my book is about all that mess. Um, but I remember having that in the back of my mind. Okay, mm-hmm. I can't let this job and this role define who I am and really equal 
my worth as a human being. And so I used to almost like tell myself if I lose this job, it's okay. <laughs> like mm. I would, I would just be like, if I get fired or if I lose this job, it's going to be hard, but I'll be fine. You yeah. know? And it was almost like a way for me to guard against what happened to my dad. Mm. Uh, and then unfortunately, you know, of course I got in, I got the senior executive assistant role and it was just like, it went to a whole nother level and I was just working like crazy and I burned out. Um, so I, I wouldn't, it was weird. It was like, I, instead of attaching my worth to my role at that organization, I started to attach my worth to the approval that I was getting from that executive. And if I didn't yeah. get that approval, then, you know, I felt like I wasn't or, and so that's what drove me. And so I talked about this at, um, I did an event in Orlando recently and my whole topic was about detaching your worth from your work. And one of the examples I shared was, you know, I essentially cared more about the approval of my executive than I did my family mm -hmm. and as you know, obviously it's, it sounds obvious when you, when you hear me say that out loud, uh, that that's a bad recipe. <laughs> um, and so that, but that was my slow cooker recipe for burnout. And yeah. so anyway, that's kind of the semi short version of it. I feel like I have a similar story. Like, uh, you know, my, my, I'm not going to go into my, my story of burnout because it's really dramatic, but I will say what led up to the burnout was people pleasing and trying to make everyone mm -hmm. in my life around me happy. And, and so like I was in a failing marriage with a partner who was gaslighting and like, there was a whole bunch of like emotional abuse there. And I was in a location that I had only made one friend in five years. I was working a job that was really demanding during, I was this EA to the CEO of a tax firm during the middle of tax season and I was trying to make everyone in my life happy. And what was so frustrating about it was that like, if, if I got, if I was able to actually accomplish making everyone happy, like I st just still didn't make me happy or fulfilled. <laughs> and then, but more often than not, people still weren't happy because they're people, they have their own interpretations of things. They have their own ways of viewing things. They have their own ways of thinking about things. And so really what I was trying to do was to control them to fill some sort of inside thing in me that needed filling instead of actually looking inward and focusing on what do I actually need here? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was trying to make everyone in my life happy. And then that led to a really intense like episode, like physically for me um, to where it took me out of my job for a few weeks. And like I was demoted and all, all sorts of crazy things happened as a result. But like, and as I like, that that n entire next year, I lost everything. Like I mm. lost my marriage, got pushed out of my job, moved back in with my parents. And it was like, ah, rock bottom. Um, but what's great about it was that as I kind of built my life back up, I got to make intentional choices because there was no other option. It was like, I feel like it was God's grace for me, mm -hmm. um, actually, because he's like, nope, we're not going to do that. You're going to look here. <laughs> reset. Like he just kind of hit the cosmic reset button and it was just like, nope, we're not even going mm -hmm. there. I'm so grateful it happened because now I've kind of set up 
distance from myself and I've I've created boundaries for myself and set parameters around my time and energy and like really have been intentional about piecing my life back together. And now I know that my self-worth comes from within and from God. And so like, instead of looking for, instead of looking to all these outside people, my executive, my husband at the time, like everybody in my life that I was just trying to like take care of and like I think we can all relate to this, right? Because it, it's mm-hmm. really easy if we're not careful to slip into that as assistants, because it's literally our job to take care of people and to make yeah. sure that they have what they need. So how do we do that and not kind of slip into this pattern of like people pleasing, which I define as like making other people happy at your own expense, mm-hmm. really. Um, and it can be really hard and it does lead to burnout. 100% leads to burnout because you aren't actually taking care of yourself or like being intentional about what you pay attention to and how you, how you're viewing how other people interact with you. It's all about trying to control them to fill something inside of you. Yeah. 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 One of my uh, favorite quotes from Dorothy Sayers that I included in my book, she talks about how, you know, if, the community as a whole is going to thrive, then the members of the community, and I kind of use the parallel to career friends or, you know, um, a company even, but basically if, if the community is going to thrive, then we have to stop the the community members have to stop angling for applause. I love the term that she uses. Mm, Um, Yes. And, you know, I talk about like, oh, you know, when you're in the office and you run, get a fill up your water bottle, but you go the long way back to your desk because you want some, you want so-and-so to see that you're like busy and you're working and you're like, <laughs> it's like you're, you're, you're angling for that applause. And, mm. you know, the community doesn't thrive when that happens. And when it, it thrives, when instead of angling for applause, um, the members seek to serve the work and, and do Mm. good work for the sake of, you know, producing good work, not for the sake of people pleasing and approval and and all that. So what, what, what practically though, Annie has helped you, you mentioned boundaries. What's, what's one or two practical tips for those listening who are like, Oh, I'm, I'm burning out. And, I need to, I need to do this. You're right. Amen. Keep saying this, but what do I do? Like practically speaking, boundaries, like what do I, how do I set boundaries? This is a really good question. And it's one we get hung up on a lot because there are lots of misconceptions around boundaries. So I'll break down like the two most common. The first one is that boundaries has to be confrontational. Like most of us, when we envision setting a boundary, we envision marching into someone's office and laying down the law, but that's not actually what a boundary is. A boundary is a choice that a choice that we make in how we decide to show up for ourselves every day. So for example, (laughs) if you want to leave the office at five o'clock and you're just like, okay, at five o'clock, that's when I'm going to leave. And you have the discussion with your executive. Maybe you've been working late. Maybe you've just decided that you that you're going to leave after your time is up. Five o'clock comes, five thirty, whatever it is. I'm I'm out the door. And five thirty rolls around, and you don't honor that. Now there again, it's it's about showing up for yourself in that moment, right? 
if you actually don't leave, then what you're saying essentially is that your boundary isn't exactly your boundary. So, um, it's more about how you decide to show up for yourself every day. And it may create a circumstance for somebody else, but then they get to decide how they show up for that. So it's really about showing up for yourself every day. And then also recognizing that people are going to have their response to it. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I think the the person who has the hardest time holding the boundary is yourself. Mm-hmm. Because we have all this mind drama around what's going to happen. Like we've set this boundary and now we, and now when it comes to holding it, like another one is checking emails after hours, right? Checking, responding email after hours. So it's like, your executive may write you an email and you just feel like this urge and inclination to quickly respond. That's training your executive that you're going to respond to emails after hours. And then we, then we wonder why we're getting burnout and having to work all these hours. Mm-hmm. Well, we train people on how we're to be treated with every interaction. So boundaries don't have to be this like really confrontational thing. It's really more about how you're deciding to show up for yourself. Yeah. Cause it's like, Hey, you know, um, don't don't email me at eight o'clock on a Friday. Well, you can't control whether or not they're going to email you at eight o'clock on a Friday, but you can't control whether or not you're going to reply to that email or check your email at eight o'clock on Friday. So yeah, well said. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's not about controlling other people, and I think often we think it is. Like, oh well, but what if what if what if what if he calls me or whatever? Okay, well he gets to sh- choose how he shows up, but you get to choose how you show up for it. Yeah, always. So yeah. yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to ask you about, so, you know, we mentioned early on in the conversation, your lots changed since we talked a few years ago on the podcast. And, you know, you recently left your assistant role and you're going all in on full-time coaching assistants. So tell us a little bit about coaching. So what, I guess two, two questions. One why coaching? So for those listening, like they're thinking like, ah, I don't need coaching or maybe I do, but why, why would I, why would I need coaching? And then two, could you give us a little bit of insight on what a session might look like? Yeah. So my why for becoming a coach, um, back when I was pregnant with my son, my first baby back in 2019, I hired a coach because I know myself And I know that I was having a lot of anxiety about not working when I was on maternity leave. And I also knew that I would be totally wrapped up with this little baby. And I just wanted some help with my self-care. And I wanted some help kind of reframing my relationship to work and also kind of being intentional about my relationship as a mom then. And so I hired a coach, but I was really looking for a coach who had been an assistant before who was coaching about self-care, you know, and I wasn't finding it anywhere. And so I'm like, okay, so I I ended up finding a coach who, um, I talked her into working with me, although she was working like with virtual assistants on them starting their business at the time. But I'm like, you used to be an executive assistant. Can you help me? And she's like, yes. And so she actually saw me all the way through COVID Like we had no idea COVID was coming at the time. She saw me through the birth of my son through the first few months of COVID and like juggling a baby in a full-time job at home, like while being sleep deprived, all the things. And um, I just found that experience so transformative. I'm like, that's it. Like 
I cannot, I cannot not become a coach mm-hmm. <laughs> and I cannot not help assistants manage everything on their plate and remain free from overwhelm and burnout. Like I, there is a way to do it and I'm going to help assistants do it. Um, so when, when an assistant starts to work with me, we always do a values, a values assessment so that we can get clear on what they're valuing at that point in their lives because values shift and change over time. Mm-hmm. So, um, we'll get clear on what their values are, and then we're going to create goals for our time together. And then from there, we just start taking action on the goals. And I, I've been trained as a mindset coach. So we deal a lot with thoughts that come up about inadequacy, lack of confidence. I can't do this. It's too hard or it won't work for me. So we deal a lot with like that kind of way of thinking and we kind of flip the script. We work to flip the script. So, um, I hope that answers your question. Jeremy, I hope. <laughs> no, yeah, that's great. What What's maybe one tip or insight that you give to your clients when it, when they say, "I'm, uh, how do I get confident? How do I get more confidence?" Yeah, this one is I, it's hard because com- there's like two types of confidence, right? There's like the type of confidence that comes from doing thing, things a million times. Mm-hmm. And then there's a type of confidence that comes innately. That's like, I have never done this before, but I can figure it out. And I'm sure I, I'm sure I can like, I've got this, even if you've never done it before. So it's just a matter of, I think, first of all, having them recognize what they've done a million times before. I think so many of us think that anybody can do our jobs. I think because it just is so innate with most of us, like how we show up for our roles, how we break things down and into steps, how we conceptualize things, how we can see things 10 steps out. And, but common sense isn't really common. (laughs) And so it's a matter of helping them see, no, wait, you know your stuff, which is why you have a seat at the table (laughs) and you're different, which gives you your, which gives you your edge at that table instead of like, I don't belong here, you know? So it's really about like figuring out their unique skill set and then how can we view that as an asset to my executive and organization even though we just take it take those skills for granted um and once they can see that then confidence automatically boosts in my opinion i found with my people what about you because you coach too like what have you found to be really confidence boosting for your clients yeah i think uh well first of all i think that's great great way to look at it and you know i I just, I've always respected you, but I think I, I think I respect you as a coach even more, um, just because you've just of how much work you've put into it, how much experience you've had with it now and how much, even just training you've, you've, you know, put yourself through the ringer. Um, (laughs) and so I, I really respect that. So props to you. Um, I think, you know, when I, when I talk with clients, I talked with one the other day and, you know, she was like, Hey, I, I just want to do more. I just want to do more. And I'm like, okay, you know, how was your last performance review? And, oh, it was great. You know, what's your executive think? Oh, they think I do great. And, you know, and I was just like, okay, well, what's, what's causing you to want to do more? And long story short, to kind of tie it back to what we were talking about earlier, it came down to, um, the people pleaser mindset Mm. and, and, she was seeking the approval of her executive and what 
I see often and what I saw in my own and still see in my own life, if you are, if you attach your worth to your work or if you attach your worth to the approval of your executive, for example, mm-hmm. to get a little more specific, then you're never going to, you're never going to be satisfied. You're never going to get enough approval. If you, the oh. more appro- the mo- more approval you get, the more you want. And so yeah. that's what I find a lot where assistants are really crushing it. They're, they're doing a great job. They've taken a bunch of training. They've leveled up. They've automated things. They're doing all this stuff, but they still feel like, oh, I need to be doing more. And it's, and it's, it just comes back to, I don't, don't mean to sound like a broken record, but it keeps coming back to they're attaching their worth to their job as an assistant and, mm. or the approval of their executive. And so what I try to do is get to the root of, okay, why do you feel like you need to do more? Why do you feel like you're not worth it or you're not as good of an assistant as you need to be and, and all that? Um, and then that kind of helps illuminate and, and, you know, uproot what's actually holding them back and what's keeping them from even just being content in their, in their role and in their work. So I don't know if that helps answer your question, but no, it totally answers my question. And I feel like I've coached, I've, I've coached in similar situations where I actually, I've, I've been on discovery calls before and I'm like, you don't need a coach. I flat out told them like, mm-hmm. you're doing a great job. That's all you need to hear. And that's all you need to know. Like you're already doing all the right things. Right. <laughs> yeah. I actually spoke at, at a, for a company up in Seattle and there was a gal there who I'd had that conversation with and, and, and I sought her out because I knew she was going to be there. I'm like, Hey, how's it going? She's like, you're the person who told me that I didn't need a coach. I'm like, cause you don't, uh- <laughs> you still don't, you're fine. You know, everything's like, you're doing all the right things, but I think sometimes, sometimes that's all they need to hear. Like they just want they just want to have somebody tell them that they're doing a good job, but here's the deal. You can provide that for yourself anytime. Right. Yeah. Well, and you know, the part, and I think the reason there's that desire is unfortunately there work for executives or teams that, that aren't vocal about it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's always a fine balance because it's like, people say, well, Jeremy, like, isn't it good to have the approval of your executive? Isn't it good to, you know, get that affirmation from them? And I'm like, yeah, that's totally great. It's great to have an uh, executive that likes you and that, you know, is thinks you're doing a good job and all that. Um, but I come back to, there's a quote from Dr. Timothy Keller, where he says the, the main, the problem is, and I'm going to mess up the exact quote, but <laughs> basically says the problem isn't that uh, our hearts desire bad things. It's that our hearts over desire good things. So it's not Mm -hmm. that like the approval from our executive is a bad thing. It's when we make that the ultimate thing. And when that's what we attach our worth as human beings to, that's when we get messed up. That's when, that's what holds us back from really being free to lead. Like we can, we could lead and can lead. I also feel like there's a difference between inserting yourself in your executive shoes and looking at things from his vantage point and inserting yourself in his, in your executive's mind and trying to like figure out what he's thinking about you and figure out like mm. all the things that way. Right. It's like 
it's like when we're inserting ourselves in our executive shoes and we're trying to show up to create value, it can be really helpful to look at things from your executive's vantage point and perspective so that you can anticipate what they're going to need next. So you can get a bird's eye view and kind of point out holes. (laughs) But then we kind of cross over to this dark side of like, oh my gosh, I wonder what he's thinking about me. He didn't say thank you the last time he did this and that, or he was really short with me or whatever. And then we make that mean something about us too. It's not just the accolades. Like we tend to like try and get up all in our executive's brain business (laughs) Mm -hmm. instead of going, well, he's in a place today. Okay. (laughs) You know, and just like leaving it at that. Instead, we're like, oh my gosh, what did I do? What did I say? What did I, you know, it's not, that's not adding value. Um, And so even that is like, we spend so much time and energy trying to figure out what he's thinking from like a place of insecurity instead of deciding that he can show up however he's going to show up and we can always show up and add value and be there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's that overanalyzing. Right. You know, yeah. Yeah. Well said. Well said. Well, I think a good, this has been fun conversation. I think a good segue, and I, I do want to let you kind of drill me with some questions. I think a good segue though, would be, I want to talk about automation. Um, and I, you mentioned, you know, you're leaving, you left your assistant role and part of it was like, oh, you know, I set up all these systems and processes and it's like, what, you know, I, I kind of worked myself out of a job. So what was, <laughs> was there some automation and AI involved? Was it uh, workflows with Zapier or what, was there anything like that that you use? Or if not, is there something to use now that helps you um, with as far as automation and technology? Yeah. It's funny that you asked that because uh, I was just having a conversation with Melissa Peoples and we were talking about what is it? It's like, um, Oh, chat GPT. Chat GPT yeah, oh yeah. my gosh. It's the most amazing thing ever. Like, especially <laughs> and they just you, released a new version too. So yeah. yeah. So like if you write a lot or anything like that is brilliant. Like all you have to do is give it the themes and then you have, of course have to go back and edit, mm-hmm. but that is been one tool that I've used, um, this week with a lot of my copywriting and stuff like that. But I think in terms of my executive, I really was big into Trello. Um, and I had things hit my board on automatic, like on repeat a lot. Like, um, I had, um, so I had my Trello boards like lined up and you can go to my website. I actually have a free Trello training if you want to take it, but on how to set up your board. Um, but I use automation in my task management system and I would just have like every month that at the same time, you know, expense reports would land on my to-do list automatically (laughs) or stuff. And like, you know, credit card reconciliation would land on and then quarterly, same thing. And then I had annual reminders for my executive as well. So those like reminders that were repeat on repeat would just automatically land on my task list without even me thinking about it, which I love. It's just, it's such a great, anything that you can do to streamline your life like that is just, I'm a fan of. Totally. <laughs> um, yeah, that's great. And I tried to get my executive into Trello. It's not, it wasn't his jam, which I'm surprised about because he actually made most of his money by creating an app. And I'm like, he's going to love this. Uh, no, nope. <laughs> it was not like, that was not his jam, but like we, we cater to our executives and we, we go with their communication style. So, um, I communicated mostly via email with him, but like 
I do think that anything that you can do that way to streamline, especially I had tasks for like, I managed his entire estate and everything. So I had tasks when it was time to clean the windows and like all those things would like auto populate on my task list, just streamlined everything. So anything you can do that way is awesome because it's just one and done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's great. And then, you know, as you're now a podcast host, uh, the whole assistant podcast, have you been able to embrace and utilize different automation for, for your workflow for the podcast? I mean, no, not yet. I would love to hear your automations <laughs> for your podcast. Oh my goodness. That's a whole conversation in and of itself, Jeremy, for sure. Um, yeah. I would love to hear, I would love to hear about that. Do you have, do you have any podcasts like automations that you use? Yeah. So I just found a new tool that uses some chat GPT, uh, open AI stuff and it's called swell AI. Okay. And I'm still, they're pretty new and they're updating the product pretty much every few days. It seems like, so I'm still kind of figuring out exactly how I want to use it, but essentially you can upload a, a podcast episode, uh, that, you know, you can upload the MP3 or you can link to the, to the, uh, Apple URL, RSS feed, whatever. And it will spit out within a matter of minutes, it'll spit out a transcript of the podcast. Oh, wow. Um, a summary, like a short, like, you know, one or two paragraph summary of the, of the episode. It'll spin It'll actually spit out an article written about the episode what and then it'll <laughs> and then it'll spit out a like a linkedin post and there's i think there's one other thing that it does but it creates all this content based on the episode and i'm i'm starting to use it i'm starting to test it out i'm my plan is to cuz i don't have transcripts of my podcast cuz in the past it was like a dollar per minute just to transcribe yeah it can be expensive yeah and i'm like i have 200 and well, this is 219, episode 219. So I have 219 episodes. I'm like, that's, you know, you do the math, uh, 30 to 45 minutes an episode. That's a lot of money. And yeah. so um, now I will say the AI transcript is rough around the edges. And, you know, you've, there's definitely some editing that could be done. Um, but anyway, it's, I'm all about repurposing the content that I'm already putting out because mm-hmm. I think that... Um, it can be consumed in different ways. And anyway, so I'm pretty excited about that for the, for the podcast. And then otherwise I've really, I've really up until now, I haven't used a lot of like AI automations, but I do have very simple workflows like, you know, or tools that I'll use like, you know, Dropbox to save all, as soon as we're done with this conversation, I upload it to Dropbox and make sure it's backed up that way. If my computer crashes or something, I don't lose anything. Yeah. Um, I've got, I use, uh, like scheduling. So my podcast host, my website, my community on circle has the ability to schedule out a uh, schedule ahead posts. And so when I edit a podcast conversation and I upload it, I go ahead and schedule it to publish at a certain date on my blog, schedule it to publish at a certain date on that. But so I don't have to like wait and do it on that day. And so those kinds of things are nice too, but I'm excited about the Swell AI tool and um, I'll definitely keep you posted as I figure out how to. Yeah. Let me know. That sounds just, awesome. Let's use it. So, uh, so anyway, I have a, yeah, what, yeah, go ahead. What other I questions have a question do you have for, for you? And 
this has actually come up several times, especially like I'm very active on LinkedIn and this has come up in several LinkedIn conversations with people and people actually want, I've actually like crowdsourced podcast ideas. And I just, I'll, I'll ask people be like, so what do you, what should I create an episode about? And they actually brought up like, what do you do if you're like an executive assistant to the CEO and there's nowhere to go? And like, how do you create a path for success as an assistant? Mm-hmm. And I would love to hear your thoughts about this. And I would love to hear kind of your overarching, I have my own opinions about titles, but like, I'd love to hear your opinions about titles and career paths. And like, what do you do if you're at the top and you mm-hmm. want to take your career to the next level, but there is nowhere to go in your yeah. organization. I'd love to hear what your thoughts on, on that are. Oh yeah. This is good, good, good stuff to chat about. Um, more fun to chat about at happy hour, but you know, <laughs> um, so I think that I'll I'll ta- I'll take it from a couple different angles. So first titles, I'll just talk about titles. Um, I know there was some recent hubbub about an article. I think it was the Wall Street Journal um, talking about titles, or maybe it was Bloomberg talking about assistants not wanting to be called assistants or something like that. And I'll just say this: when it comes to titles and career paths. I don't really care what my title is. Um, I don't really care what you call me. Um, I don't care if you call me an assistant. I don't care if you call me a business partner, a chief of staff, whatever it is. Uh, What I care about are two things. One, the job description, aka what, what I'm actually doing. And two, my compensation. So like, Mm -hmm. I care about what I'm doing and how much you're paying me to do it. And if that, if that means like, if I'm in a traditional organization that has a bunch of levels already planned out and it means that I can't make more money unless I'm a executive business partner of three or unless I'm a chief of staff or whatever, then yeah, I care about title and I want to work my way up to that next title. But mm-hmm. if it's if it's an organization that doesn't have any sort of career path and I have to kind of I'm self-managed and I have to figure it out myself and figure out, okay, what's the next step? How do I get this? How do I present a business case to make more money and to have more bonus or uh, more compensation, whether it's, you know, PTO or cell phone stipend or all the different things, then uh, I don't care as much about the title. I care more about, okay, what is going to work for this organization, for this team? And if that's, you know what, I can do this, this, and this, look at the job description I was hired for, look at what I'm doing now. I don't care about title. If you don't have a, if the HR doesn't department doesn't have a bucket for it, then fine, just pay me more and I'll keep the same title, you know? So I'm still an executive assistant. I've been at my company for, uh, I guess we're going on, this is the seventh year now. And, um, I was hired number one. Now we have 110, 115 people or so. And, I'm still the only assistant. Uh, I've n- I've not gone from like a administrative assistant one to administrative assistant two to administrative, <laughs> you know, like, but I'm in a computer software AI company that's a startup that has um, moves a lot quicker and is a lot more fluid than maybe if you work at Google or if you work at uh, an, in a university or in the government or whatever. So anyway, that's, that's kind of what I would say about that. And then as far as like, okay, you, a lot of people could look at me and say, all right, you're the executive assistant to the CEO. 
There's no other assistants. So it's not like I can say, oh, I'm going to be the director of administration and I'm going to manage five assistants. And that's my <laughs> next step. Yeah. What's the next step? Well, if, if I, let's say my company grows over the next, which hopefully it does over the next few years and we hire a few assistants and whatever. Okay. There may be an opportunity down the road where I could be more of a chief of staff where I'm managing a few assistants and, you know, I'm the board liaison and all the stuff, which I already do a lot of that anyway. But um, then that's one thing. But right now it's like, okay, there's not, there's not really a next step. So if, if someone listening is in my shoes, then the questions that I ask myself and then I would ask yourself, if you're listening and you're thinking, all right, I'm the EA, the CEO, there's nowhere else to go. Uh, there's three questions that I would ask. One is, do you really want to be an assistant still? Do you still want to be an executive assistant at a mm. high level? Or do you want to move into operations or move into HR or move into product or move into, you know, finance, whatever? So that's that's a question to ask yourself. And that'll that'll determine that'll kind of help you guide you where you're gonna what you might do next. Second question is okay, are you enjoying it? Are you are you in a good place? Do you like the team? Do you like whatever? Is it simply you just want more money? Like, is is it just about the money? Like, you're just like, I need to pay my house off. I need to save more in my retirement. And I just want to make more money. Okay. That's the second question. And then the third question is more of an open-ended pushback, if you will, is, okay, is there something that I need? Am I bored, essentially? Am I bored? Or is there something outside of my day job that I have interest in that I could do? Maybe a hobby, maybe a hobby that turns into a side hustle, maybe just straight into a side hustle, you know, maybe go back to school, maybe take a, um, you know, a class on pottery, maybe do some Latin dancing, you know, whatever it is, like, is there something outside of work that you could do? Because a lot of times they're like, they're like, I'm just not challenged enough and whatever. And I get that. But could this be a really good opportunity for you to go back to school, for you to learn the guitar, for you to teach yourself how to, you know, how to bake, you know, all this kind of thing. And that can actually, oftentimes I see with my uh, coaching clients is oftentimes that's all they needed. They just needed something outside of work to challenge them and to stretch themselves. And then that made it, that made work more fulfilling because they see that like, oh, my life isn't just this job. So those are kind of the three areas that I think through. And I really think that there's a lot of opportunities to make more money without a title change. And even if you think you're hitting that cap, if you're in a booming industry, if you're in a growing um, organization that's got a lot of revenue and it's, you know, that's cash flow positive, that's, you know, maybe it's a publicly traded company, the stock's been going up even in this rough macro environment over the last few years. Um, then I think there's actually a lot more opportunity than you think. It may not be a salary bump. It may be equity or stock compensation. It may be um, bonus 
you know, spot bonus. I talked to uh, one of my clients went from, um, they did get a title change. They did get a promotion and they got a spot bonus. And it was just like, oh, wow, this is awesome. Like this is your salary is still the same for now, but you got the spot bonus and you got the title change and you can kind of work your way up to the next level. So anyway, those are kind of all the things I think about when I think about titles, levels, am I hitting the, hitting the cap? And then really ultimately for a lot of you listening, it's simply, you need to go to a bigger organization that has more of a career ladder, if that's really what you want. Um, and I, sometimes you outgrow the organization. Yeah. It's funny. Cause like y'all couldn't see it. Cause this is a podcast, but like, I was literally nodding the entire time Jeremy's talking like, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Cause I think I have similar viewpoints. People get really caught up on titles and I get it to a certain extent. Like you said, if it affects your compensation, something like that, it makes sense. But like most of us, a lot of us, it doesn't. And yet we still get hung up on a title. And, you know, I think in in my last organization, I worked at, um, at, at a VC firm and there were eight people in the entire company. And my title was executive assistant because there were th- two two other managing directors other than my executive and they had executive assistants and each of our roles was vastly different we we each did vastly different things for our executive i did a lot on the personal side on the on the state management side <laughs> and um one was strictly business did a lot with alta the company i worked for and uh the other one was managing this guy's entire life um so it's just like it, it runs the gamut. And I think that's what's so great. And what's so challenging about our roles is that the term executive assistant can apply to so to a vast array of different things. Right. But I didn't get hung up on my title, even though I'm like running my executives entire world. Like mm-hmm. I knew my worth and like there, again, that outside thing didn't really matter to me. Cause I just knew I, I was just so focused on adding value and focused on, on like taking a bird's eye view and then getting down in the weeds a bit and then taking those. I was, I was constantly like going, taking like macro, micro, macro, micro, just constantly in and out, you know, to try and like streamline everything for him. So I think I, and then I also took a class in finance and then I took um, like a set of courses in, um, project management because my executive's brain is just so methodical that I thought it may be helpful to kind of have a framework in terms of project management, you know, just so that I could like frame out the projects that were going on and everything like that for him in like a really calculated way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's a way to stay engaged with your work, even if you're kind of like, well, I'm bored. Well, don't be bored then. it's like ultimately like to be be curious curious. like what what can you do that will still add value to him and i i like i'm all about the latin dancing too like that's my go-to um so definitely take a latin dancing class (laughs) your personal life and then also like in your work life ask if there's anything that kind of piques your interest and just ask if your company will pay for it um yeah so i i don't understand this whole thing of being bored at work like i don't get it Cause there's so much we can do. Yeah. And I will say that there's, there are definitely plenty of people listening who are in tough situations. Um, you know, 
single mom who has been in this organization for a while and there, there's there's kind of a recession macro market environment going on and and jobs are tough and it's it's a it's a big you've got benefits and you know you've got insurance for your kids and you know there's it's a big jump you know i'm not saying it's easy to say okay this job doesn't have any more room for me to grow i'm just going to go find another one um but i think that there are definitely opportunities to find that next opportunity while you're while you're still doing your job um and i i think that people don't people still are pretty one one track minded or however you say that where it's like i have one job and that's my option. And I think that the world mm. has changed to where multiple streams of income is becoming more and more, not only necessary, um, but actually there are more and more opportunities and ways that you can create multiple streams of income for you and your family. And so I think that is where a lot of assistants who are worried about titles can and should, in my opinion, put their energy toward. And instead of, and you can you can work hard at presenting a business case for a raise and negotiating your your worth at your current job, maybe a title title bump if that's what's your organization needs to get you into the next salary band. But you can also work toward how can you make money outside of your your day job and so that you're not so reliant upon, you know, you don't have all your eggs in in one basket. Yeah, that's a really good point. I do think that when we think outside the box in that way, the whole world opens up for us. There's like a whole world of opportunity. And so it's a really creative way of thinking that I would encourage every everybody who's listening right now to really consider like, hey, wait a minute, like I do feel kind of stuck in my position. I don't want to leave because of X, Y, or Z. I have a really good job overall and just kind of feel like I just can't sit still and my I'm kind of twiddling my thumbs here. Like you can look for opportunities in your organization to add value. Like if there's a project that interests you, you can speak up. If like you can also look for another stream of, of revenue for you, whatever that is. And I would challenge you to also think about like a stream of revenue that does not require a whole lot of time to manage as well. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, yeah. like really get creative in how you're thinking about this because there are ways it's like a portfolio life, right, Jeremy? So like, I think that you've done a really great job of that in your life with your full-time job and the book and like all these like supporting our broader assistant community. And I think, I think that we can all kind of take like a page from, from what you're doing and actually ask ourselves, okay, what can, is there somewhere else in my life that I can add value to where people that people will pay me for? Yeah. Yeah. And it can be as simple as, okay, what are people asking me for what what are people coming to me for help with mm -hmm. and that could be your you know what 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 some people think are or what you think is obvious is extraordinary to other people and so yep. and i think that you know that's one place to start and it could be as simple as you know what i've helped so many assistants or I've helped so many of my colleagues 
set up a Trello board or I've helped so many colleagues figure out how to set up their outlook settings in a certain way that's way more efficient. You know, what if I put together a, a little ebook on how to do that? And, you know, I sold it for 15, 20 bucks and I sold a, you know, coaching session where I walked through how to do it. And, you know, there you go. Like there's a, there's a little revenue stream that you, who knows what could happen with, with it, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I love that out of the box of thinking and, Oh, this has been such a fun conversation. I almost don't want it to end. Maybe we can do it again in like two years, Jeremy. Yeah, there you go. Two or three <laughs> years, every two years we'll revisit. So what so what is the best place for people to reach out to you for my listeners? And then we can flip. Yes, I definitely want to give tip for my audience too. So uh, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn, Annie-Kroner on LinkedIn. Um, or you can email me, Annie at wholeassistant.com. And um, I just love to connect with other assistants, you know, so whether it's through um, through LinkedIn or via email or, you know, I also am coming out with a new uh, freebie for my website and it's going to be a um, work boundary, work boundaries inventory. So if you really want to deep dive into your work boundaries and you really want to ideate and create clear boundaries for yourself, please check that out as well. Um, and that'll be up on my website by the time this podcast goes live. So, nice. um, so yeah, please, please check that out. And yeah, I just want to be a resource for you. I want to be here for you. So feel free to reach out to me anytime. And for my listeners, I'm sure you're all familiar with Jeremy. Um, but for those of you who aren't, please, Jeremy, can you please share how, how they can get in contact with you and how they can learn more about you? Yeah, I think the simplest place to go is just leaderassistant.com and check out the podcast, uh, the book. I also have a workbook, a digital PDF workbook or a Kindle version as well, but uh, that goes along with the book. So that if you want to lead a book club with your team at your organization, or if you want to gather a few assistants, fr uh, assistant friends together and do a little book club, that workbook is a good companion guide to go with that. So leaderassistant.com should be able to find everything. Of course, LinkedIn as well. And uh, I hope you uh, leave a nice review for Annie's uh, podcast, the whole assistant podcast. Uh, on Apple Podcasts. And then while you're there, hop over to mine and, and do the same. I don't think I actually left my website, wholeassistant.com, if you want to get that work boundaries inventory, by the way. Sorry about that. But yeah, no, please check out Jeremy's book. I read it. Um, it's really good. It's a great resource to have on hand and for sure do book club about it because it's really a great, a great thing to talk about too. Thank you so much, Jeremy, for this conversation. Yeah. Thank you, Annie. And appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule and with your family and everything to chat with me. And I'm excited to share our conversation with, with the world. Yeah, me too. I help assistants apply the concepts I share on this podcast. If you're ready to take your growth deeper and you're curious whether working with me in a coaching capacity is right for you, please email me at annie at wholeassistant.com to schedule your complimentary discovery call. 